As we start this morning, I want you to simply take a personal inventory. If you want to look in your seat backs, there's the handout in there. If you're somebody who likes to write or if you just want to stare up at the screen here, that's fine. But uh, I want you to look at your life and simply take some words to describe how you're doing physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and relationally. What words would describe how you are doing in the different areas of this life? Maybe physically you would say, I feel incredible. I've never been in this good of shape. Or you feel like every bone and fiber in your body is falling apart or somewhere in that range. Spiritually, you might say you're tracking closer to God or maybe drifting away or maybe you've never even had a relationship with God. Mentally, you might be feeling scattered this morning, can't gather those thoughts or really focused on what's happening. Emotionally, your bucket might be empty or might be full. And relationally, Maybe your spouse and you last night slept in different rooms. Or maybe relationships are really clicking and coming together right now. So how are you doing and what words would describe how you feel in those areas? Or another way you could look at it, you could do it on a scale of health. Put an arrow over the top of this and simply put, am I getting more healthy or less healthy in these areas? You could say, you know, on an arrow, I'm moving towards health here. Well, I'm getting a little bit more unhealthy here. But it's important to look at our lives and know what's going on. It's kind of like taking a look underneath the hood of our lives or at the warning lights on our dashboard. If something's blinking, it's hopefully important to become aware of what's going on underneath the hood. I had a car for a while and it was pretty old and it had this annoying or nice function depending on who you are. It had automatic seat belts. So you get in, you turn the key, and the seatbelt automatically comes on. It was annoying to me. But uh, for some, you probably appreciated that. And I remember one day, I was driving down the highway, 65 miles an hour, because I always go the speed limit. Um, <laughs> so I was driving down the highway. Um, if you're one of my family, you know that's not true, the, the speed limit thing. But um, I'm driving down the highway, cruising along, everything's going on, going along fine, and all of a sudden... All my gauges turn off and the seatbelt releases. So I just keep driving. <laughs> like, I can't put that seatbelt back on. It is controlled by whatever just malfunctioned. And then all of a sudden, the car just dinged and everything turned back on. The seatbelt came back on and I kept driving. But, huh, something must not be right with my car. I never got it figured out. It only happened a couple more times in the life of my car for a few seconds. And I moved on. But often, isn't that how it is in life? That there's something that happens and we recognize this maybe warning light in our life. We recognize something isn't quite right and do we ignore it or do we begin to deal with it? It might be a misplaced overreaction to something. All of us have it. It might be an addiction that develops over time or is still dealing with. It might be an unhealthy relationship with yourself or others or your spending was under control, but somehow now it's out of control. It might be worry, constant stress, uncontrolled anger. Or you may were physically fit and now you're consumed with food and overeating. It might be self-medicating. Or like a dark cloud has come over your life. 
And the list can go on and on of all the things that are warning signs in our lives that something's going on. Something's not right. So what do you do when you have these patterns, these warning signs, these flashing lights on your dashboard? A normal response, unfortunately, is to just keep going. Or Dory, just keep swimming. Just, you just keep going and think that somehow these things will figure themselves out along the way. It's like you're driving along and the low oil or low fuel light comes on. And instead of stopping, you just put a piece of tape over it and say, I can't see it. It must be okay. And you just keep driving. But you know, somewhere down the road, you're going to be sitting along the side, broken down. Potentially wondering, what happened? What happened? All of us have heard people say that too. A statement something like this. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, life was going along and then poof, everything exploded. Did everything really just explode? Normally, it doesn't happen that way. Normally, it's a series of small decisions over longer periods of time that lead to the results that we got. And as we continue on in the series called Praxis, we're talking about healthy practices for life and especially as followers of Jesus Christ. We began a few weeks ago talking about John 10.10, where Jesus states, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life abundantly or a rich and satisfying life. God wants you to have a rich and satisfying life, a healthy life. Last week we talked about the Bible and that we need to be getting in God's word and allowing God's word to get in us. And that God's word is inspired by God. It is alive and it is a guide for life that is true. And we need to engage with God's word on a normal basis. Now today we're talking about Sabbath and rest. And Sabbath and rest give you an opportunity, out of many things, to check those warning lights on your dashboard. If you're just running all the time and going all the time and never pause, there's no time to see what's going on underneath the hood. In our culture, we don't use the word Sabbath often. We don't wake up and say Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. It's a word that kind of is on the fringe And in Jewish culture, it's more central, and if you practice Judaism, or if you're a Messianic Jew, or from some certain Christian traditions, Sabbath is more a normal part of what life is about. The word Sabbath in Hebrew simply means to cease, desist, or stop. Just stop. And more specifically, if we go back to see where this whole Sabbath keeping came from, we can go back to the created order. In Genesis, in the first chapters, we see that God created the earth and the whole universe and the world and all living things in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. That's where we see the cycle of our daily rhythm of 24 hours come into being and the seven-day week come into being. There's certain cultures that have actually tried to change a seven-day week to a 10-day week, and it never functions quite right. That somehow the design that God made from the beginning still works and we still practice it. Now, Sabbath and rest is a healthy practice. 
And if we keep going and going and take never a moment for rest, something will break. It's only a matter of time. I know that for me, I've had intense seasons where you're just running and going and going and going. And finally, when you stop, what usually happens? You get sick. You get sick because your body basically said, yeah, you can keep going, but I'm going to now Sabbath you. And you get sick. And I much rather would take that pause while I'm healthy than to allow sickness to put me down. Now, before I get into this, you need to hear me out that this is not about keeping a legalistic 24 hours of rest every week. It's about developing healthy rhythms of rest and work. It's not as much about holiness as about health. And all of us need rest. The actual command for the Sabbath doesn't come in Genesis 1. It actually isn't commanded and talked about till Exodus chapter 16. And in Exodus chapter 16, we arrive at a point in Israel's journey that the Jews had been captives in Egypt for over 200 years. They had been led out by Moses, and a month into their journey is Exodus 16. And here they are in the wilderness, and this group of people begin to complain. They begin to complain that Moses led them out into the wilderness to ultimately kill them. And that they wish they could be back in Egypt as slaves because being a slave in Egypt was so much better than what was happening now. They began to lose perspective and they were hungry. So I imagine maybe you had about a million people that were hangry, hanging out in the desert. And they were like, this is ridiculous. What did Moses do to us? And so God speaks to Moses in Exodus chapter 16, verse 23, and he says this to them. This is what, there we go. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath they set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and to set aside what is left for tomorrow. Now what he's talking about here is God told them that he was going to provide food for them. Rain food from heaven, these little white flakes. And they'd be able to pick up these flakes, turn it into bread, and eat it every day of the week. And God stated just a few verses earlier that for five days, every morning, they would wake up, there'd be flakes on the ground, they'd gather those flakes, just enough for the day. If they kept any of that food for the next day, it would be full of maggots and not good to eat. So for five days, they'd gather enough for the day. And on the sixth day, there'd be a double portion. You could gather that food and it would last through the Sabbath day. Now, the Israels, when they looked at this stuff on the ground, they gave it a name, manna. Do you know what manna means? It means, what is it? So literally, they'd go out every day and collect what is it and eat what is it. So here they are collecting it along the way. And God says, tomorrow will be a complete day of rest. A holy Sabbath they set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. So we see three important ideas right away in this first verse. One, it is a complete day of rest. It is a day to stop. Second, it is a holy Sabbath set aside for the Lord. That is a day to focus on God. So we have rest and worship. And third, we see that it takes some preparation to practice Sabbath. 
that if you literally want to practice Sabbath, you have to do something in advance. They were told to bake or boil as much as they wanted that day so they were ready the next day. So if you want to try to practice a literal Sabbath, the day before you got to get ready. You got to cook, you got to clean, you got to get ready. So when you wake up that next day, you're not like, this house is a disaster. We have no food. How can we Sabbath? But actually you have to prepare for it. Now, as we read on, we see that some people, even though God told them there was going to be no food delivered on the seventh day, they went out looking for food. And so they go looking around and they discover that there's no food out there. They simply didn't trust that God was going to do what he said he would do. So God spoke to Moses in verse 29 of Exodus 16 and says this, they must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. This is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. I don't know if you've ever thought about Sabbath as a gift. That it's not something that is legalistically meant to be kept, but is a gift from God to you. A gift of one day a week for you to rest, to worship, and to just be instead of do. Now if we jump over to Deuteronomy 5.15, we see another purpose for the Sabbath. And here's what we read in Deuteronomy. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with a strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is also a reminder that you are not a slave. And that the nation of Israel was free people. No longer controlled by the Egyptians, but free. How many of you feel like a slave to work or the grind or they just keep going and going and going? And here God is saying, trust that I'm going to provide for you and recognize that you are free. You are no longer a slave. And what I see here that Sabbath is a gift from God and it is meant for rest, worship, and to remind us that we are a free people. You are a free people. We live in a 24-7 world and God says, how about we make it 24-6? When I was younger, I remember going to church. And I don't think that I'm that old, but I'm getting there. But I remember going to church and driving through my small town. It was like a ghost town on Sunday mornings. Things were closed. Just to find gas. You had to get gas before Sunday morning. Because good luck if you were on empty. But as I grew up, I saw a shift that we went from a six-day week to a seven-day week. People had things that they needed to get done. Maybe complaints were made. But before you knew it, everything seems to be open on Sundays now. No matter what you want to do, besides Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby. But anything, what you want to do on a Sunday, you can do. It's like the same every single day of the week. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, it's not like that even now. If you go to Israel on the Sabbath, things shut down. The buses stop running. If you're a Jewish taxi driver, you do not drive taxi on the Sabbath. And the whole kind of feel of the whole culture changes for one day a week. That it's set up as a day of rest and worship and reflection. I heard a story about a group of kids running down the road in Israel 
And, and some guy was sitting at a restaurant alongside the road, and he was like, what, what are these kids so happy about? They were singing and dancing and just happy to be together. And somebody said, they're just getting ready for Sabbath. They're just getting ready for a day of delight to enjoy and to rest. Have you looked at, ever looked at Sabbath as a gift from God? That he gave it to you to rest in a culture of do, do, do? He says, take a break and stop. Now, some of us might be saying, wow, this is pretty legalistic. I thought Jesus set us free from the law and you're heading down this legalistic thing. And yes, Jesus has set us free. And I don't believe that this is a matter of holiness before God. And I'll explain that a little bit later. But I believe it's a matter of having a healthy rhythm in life. A healthy practice to rest, to worship, to delight in God, to make space for God. That we don't get so wrapped up in doing things that we miss that God simply wants us to be present with him and with each other every single week. There are many studies about productivity that demonstrate that it is healthy to take breaks in your week. They've studied a healthy work week, and do you know that 39 hours is the perfect work week? When you begin to cross that threshold, your productivity drops, and you actually end up accomplishing less in a week versus more. Do you realize that any um, athlete who performs on a high level pushes really hard, and then what do they do? They rest to recover. When the wagon trains... In early American history, when they headed from east to west and these big wagon trains headed out for gold and to populate the west, some of them practiced Sabbath and some of them didn't. The ones that practiced Sabbath usually arrived 20 days earlier than the ones that just kept pushing. I've heard it said, and I kind of believe this, that Illness can be a reminder from God that we need to stop. And I would much rather take a Sabbath willingly than take it because of illness and sickness. In 2 Chronicles 36.21, it references a period in Israel's history. Israel wasn't only commanded to take one day a week off. Every seventh year was supposed to be a Sabbath year. That they were not supposed to till the ground, but only allow whatever to grow up, and they would eat whatever the land produced. But there's not a recollection in history that the Jews actually practiced the seventh year Sabbath for the land. And in 2 Chronicles 36, 21, here's what's written. So the message of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest. I didn't know land could enjoy something, but here it is, enjoying. The land is enjoying its Sabbath rest. Lying desolate until the 70 years were fulfilled, just as the prophet had said. The nation of Israel, one of the reasons they were taken into captivity was to allow the land to rest. They had been instructed to do something and they had ignored it. And God said, I am going to allow the land to rest. I'm personally from Wisconsin and I know about crop rotation. 
that you rotate crops. You don't plant the same thing every year in the same field because you will wear out the land. And God knew that they could wear out the land. And the consequences from disobeying were that they were led away to captivity. There is always consequences to our actions. If we respond to God in a good manner, or if we ignore God's rhythms in life, we will bear the consequences of our actions. If you personally knew that if you kept the Sabbath, that you would have better relationships in your family, that you would be more healthy, that mentally you'd be in better condition, that spiritually you'd be more fit, that physically you'd feel better, would you practice the Sabbath? Would you try to carve out that space and time in your week knowing it could make your life better? Nobody in here would say no, but it's a lot harder to actually practice that and live it out. But there are people in companies that are pushing back. In our nonstop culture, in this go, 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 do, do, do culture. One example is Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby when it was formed, actually had a seven-day work week. But the founder, David Green, at some point was convicted by God that he should only be open six days a week to give his employees a chance to rest, to give them a day off, and if so, they chose to go and worship. But when he heard this from God, it took him a while to respond He didn't know how it was going to work with profits and other things. So he began over an 18-month period of time of closing stores in one state and then another state. And then the last state to close its stores on Sunday was Texas, because you don't mess with Texas. And as he was closing stores on Sunday, the profits didn't start going up. They actually started going down. But when he finally closed those last stores in Texas on Sundays, the profits began to tick up. If you have the Right Now Media app that's free from our church, you can actually go check out the story on there. It's pretty cool. But all of a sudden, the profits began to return and build. And Hobby Lobby has now made a decision. I think they're open just a little bit over 60 or 80 hours a week. It's a very minimum amount of time, but they're incredibly profitable. A multi-billion dollar company with over 30,000 employees, and they're expanding. And they look at this company that is God's company and that's not their own. Also, they have generously decided to give away their money. Do you know the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C. is because of Hobby Lobby? I also found out that the translations on the YouVersion app are because Hobby Lobby bought the rights to them through one of their subsidiaries. So you can go on the YouVersion app and have over a thousand different translations because Hobby Lobby invested in that. They're also predicting that they're funding hopefully a Bible or part of a Bible in every language by 2023. That in five years, every single language on the planet is going to have at least a portion of Scripture in their language. All the while, they're taking a day off every week. Chick-fil-A is another example. When they began, they made a point to not be open on Sundays. When they tried to go rent space in strip malls, the owners of the strip malls didn't want to rent them space because they thought they couldn't be profitable enough in six days. I don't know how many Chick-fil-A's you've seen closed down lately, but I think they're doing okay working on a six-day work week. 
And they've decided and intentionally said, we want to give our workers a day off to rest. And if they so choose to worship, take it for worship. But that's just two examples of companies who have decided to honor God first and foremost, and God has blessed them. Now you might be saying, Mark, still, this is all Old Testament. It's all old. Well, Jesus practiced the Sabbath, and if you remember, he was Jewish. But he didn't do it in a legalistic way. One day he was walking through the grain fields in Mark chapter 2, and him and his disciples were picking grain on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees, the religious police, decided to corner him and say, hey, you're harvesting, you're working on the Sabbath. And so Jesus turned to them and told them a story about David in the Old Testament, that him and his men were hungry, and they went into the temple and ate bread that was only meant for the priests, but God didn't strike them dead or punish them in any way. And then Jesus ends with this verse and states in Mark 2, 27 to 28, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Sabbath is designed as a gift. It's God giving you permission to stop, to rest, to reflect, to worship, to be present and not simply keep doing and doing and doing. The creator of the universe is the one that has designed you and he knows that each one of us needs rest. Now, if you're feeling guilty or condemned for not being a Sabbath keeper, well, you're here today, so that's, that's a great beginning. But I don't want you to feel guilt, condemnation, or anything like that. When the Apostle Paul was planting churches beyond the Jewish culture and across the Roman Empire, he encountered Sabbath keepers and people who had no clue about the Sabbath because they weren't raised as Jews. And so imagine in a church these Jews who are saying, we need to keep this 24-hour strict period of time and then projecting that onto their neighbor and saying, if you want to follow Jesus, you got to do this 24 hours a week. And then the other people being like, come on, give me a break. I've never practiced Sabbath, and now you're telling me to be in right relationship with Jesus. I need to stop 24 hours a week. Well, Paul addresses this to the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter 2, 16 to 17. And he says, so don't let anyone condemn you. For what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only a shadow of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. What I hear Paul saying here is Sabbath is not about holiness. It's about being healthy. And I can tell you right now, you cannot practice enough Sabbaths, pray enough prayers, share with enough people, read enough of the Bible to be made right with God because there's nothing that we do that makes us right with God. It is only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we can have a right relationship with Christ. So Sabbath is not about being in a right relationship with God. It's about practicing healthy rhythms of rest and work in our lives. So how are you doing? How are you doing with healthy rhythms of rest and work? How are you doing on a weekly basis of taking time to simply be and not just keep doing? God has said in in his word that this is a gift for you. 
to show that you are no longer slaves. You are free people, free to worship, free to follow him, free to trust God that he will take care of your needs. For us as a young family, we have four small children, so to practice Sabbath is a challenge. But we try to practice it. Every week, Nami and I talk about how we're going to build rest into our weeks. Yesterday, we practiced Sabbath. And we took time and space to rest and to be together and to shut down some media and simply be present. But it takes time. It takes effort. It takes intentionality to build rest into your week. Even a few hours out of your week can begin to bring transformation in your life. In Hebrews, the writer talks in Hebrews chapter 4 about a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And in context, he is not saying 24 hours a week. He is saying in relationship with Christ, we discover a Sabbath rest for our souls. And today we have the privilege of celebrating communion together in community. And when you look at relationship with God, it's not about how many things you do, how good you perform, how many Sabbaths you do or don't keep. It's about following Christ and finding rest in him. I don't know if you've ever read the scripture and noted that Jesus was crucified before the Sabbath, was dead and buried during the Sabbath, and resurrected after the Sabbath. And one of the last words he said on the cross was, it is finished. It is done. And we read in another portion of scripture that when he was resurrected and when he ascended to heaven, he sat down and rested from his work. That Jesus has completed our salvation through the cross of Christ. That you cannot work, you cannot earn your way to God, but you can simply rest and trust in the completed work of Jesus Christ for you. And I believe if we practice that Sabbath rest in relationship with God, it will flow into wanting to practice Sabbath in our weekly rhythms. But as we take a moment to celebrate communion together, I pray that you see and hear the rest that God offers us both in himself and in giving us a day every week that he's saying, this is a day for you, a gift to rest, to worship, to delight. And remember that you are not a slave. You are free. Let's pray. Father God, you are a great God. And Lord, I pray that we would not hear law this morning, but that we'd hear love That we'd hear about a God who loves us so much and is so concerned about our welfare that says, I want to give you a gift of rest. And I want you to trust that I will take care of you when you rest. And I pray, God, for those among us who, maybe there's some of us who are resting too much that need to start working. And maybe there's some of us who are working too much that need to begin resting. But may you help us move in a direction of holistic health that we could be people who practice and demonstrate the life of Christ in an incredible way. And as we celebrate communion together today, may we be reminded of the rest found in you, that we don't have to work and labor and strive to be made right with you, 
but we can simply receive the completed sacrifice of you, Jesus, that has paid the full penalty punishment for sins, past, present, and future. And in you, we can find that rest for our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.